It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. Well, we called it last week. The chaos in the house is getting worse by the hour. What does it mean for the GOP? Oh, and uh, for the rest of us, because it's not good. And we talk a lot about Iowa, but I have my eye on a new poll out of New Hampshire that might tell us a lot about the direction of the GOP primary. And we get to a few more of your questions. Really, Alex is going to do it this time. Alex, where should we get started? Uh, we, do we really have to talk about the shutdown? I guess we do. Of course we do. I mean, look. Yeah. Okay. Yesterday, you know, Trump directed the Republicans in Congress to shut down the government for all kinds of, you know, crazy reasons. But the top one was to, in order to defund his four active prosecutions against him. (laughs) I I mean, you know, this is where the, the, this is why folks, they're going to shut down the government, the MAGA cult uh, and we've been saying, as we've talked about, they're crazy, but they're also dangerous. They're so dangerous that they don't care about democracy and any of this stuff. And, you know, you know it's, it's anything they can do to, to, to shut the, the American government down and use that as a tool to screw everybody, all for their dear leader to stop these, because they're the, you know, the law and order party and they want to defund, talk about defund, they want to defund the country to stop. <laughs> to stop the investigations. No, the, it's into, literally defund the police. It's, yeah, it's it's just amazing stuff. But anyway, you know, it is a clown show. It's the dysfunction caucus. But that's what uh, even some GOP members are calling it. I mean, the yeah, you, yeah those are those are not yeah, Joe yeah, not quotes. Me. Those are from members uh, Republican congressmen. Yeah, uh, and you know, and some of them are probably in those districts that Biden won. Uh, that they're now trying to, they've been, you know, ba- basically carrying the water of the MAGA caucus and doing their bidding, but now are suddenly looking at, oh, oh, you know, if I go through these train wrecks, both the impeachment train wreck and the shut it down train wreck, particularly <laughs> if you're in a Biden district and the reason you're shutting it down is because Donald Trump wants to shut down the investigations against him. And not only that, like there are a bunch of, you know, MAGA hat members saying, yeah, that's why they want to shut, that's one of the reasons they want to shut it down. Right. So like, you know, even CNN calls it a a legislative train wreck and and that the Republican majority's farcical self-harm, 
because that's what this is going to end up being. But uh, it really, I also, I think, again, McCarthy and in-house leadership lost another big vote today. I mean, embarrassing one on defense spending bill is the second time that's happened. That never, ever, ever happens. The whole reason it's happening is because of this, because Trump has that big a hold on, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, uh, Matt Gates. I mean, the House of Crazies is in control. What is going to happen here is I think it means we're going to have the train wrecks are going to happen. Uh, and one of the train wrecks, uh, you know, for maybe, uh, you know, McCarthy standing right there on the tracks with that with that big light coming down the tunnel straight at him that takes out it takes him out of the speakership because that's literally I mean we've seen that before with Boehner we saw it with Ryan um uh you know and this was when the house just had some crazy tea party folks we're now talking about you know McCarthy having to curtsy and bow and sign up for shutting the government down to save Donald Trump's you know ass and by the way it won't because <laughs> sooner or later they'll have to start the government up again and of course everything will stay keep going but but the other side of that that is it's going to make it clear it makes it just so clear that the house it, you know who controls it that it is the mega cult that's running the party right now and you know it, it'll be interesting to see how it, anything comes out of this in terms of you, you know the senate and the house coming together on this uh, you, know, you know to move things forward but but right now it's a train wreck it's a mess and you can and it's now out in the open that it's it's Donald Trump and the mega cult there, it's just to shut it down just to shut can it down we, can we like pour i don't know if we should pour one out for Kevin McCarthy i don't really feel bad for him but like there's this cruel irony that i love this for him that he's wanted this job forever he finally gets it and it just sucks, right? Yeah. Like, it's just so nice that he's having a bad time wrecking our government. Well, I mean, you know, Victor Xi had this, you know, reality check for McCarthy, who just complained about how hard it is to pass anything. Nancy Pelosi, he says, Nancy Pelosi had the same majority and never lost a floor vote. But, you know, the, the truth is, you know, Democrats last term had one fewer than Republicans have now and passed historic legislation. Maybe Kevin is just bad at this, you know, and uh, maybe that's why. Now, if they were getting rid of him because he's just bad at this, oh, okay, that's that's a reason. But but no, that's not why. It's because it's because you know he cannot possibly. There's no demand that he hasn't bowed to, and he's finally gotten to the place where there's no way to hold the majority together because. They got nothing. They got on the investigations. I mean, on the impeachment inquiry, he couldn't put the votes together to make to to hold the vote that he said he was going to hold for the inquiry because a lot of members there were you know well over twenty members who would not vote for it and said because there was no evidence or not enough. So I mean, he's now at a play you know between a rock and a hard place. It's like I said, it's two trains coming coming towards each other on the track and he's standing in the middle of it it's going to be ugly so we have always i mean i mean on this show talked about how monolithic the republican machine is 
staying on message constantly. But this like kind of fracture and just how crazy things are in the House right now, and then obviously Trump basically saying, I just want to defund my prosecutors, and then Matt Gates just nodding his head, sir, yes, sir, got to do it. I, like it, it seems to me like the, I, I, I can't ever remember this party being this fractured. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, no, it is. And look, anytime, every time, that's why I, I've, I've been, you know, pretty confident about Democrats being able to, to, and Biden being able to win in 2024, and that it's, it's, in my view, uh, could be much bigger than the numbers, you know, the head-to-head tied numbers that we see. I think that. That can expand because when you see a party this at each other's throats, I mean, yelling and screaming each other in 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 meetings, uh, you know, starting to you're literally some of these Republicans are are actually starting to say that they're being driven by a clown caucus. I mean, using words like that. I mean, that 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 I think we all knew that that's what they thought, but they're now starting to say it out loud in a lot of ways to save themselves. But I still think it shows just the stark division that's starting to happen. And the, the, the reality is, like I said, the 18 members who reside, you know, who, who, who sit in seats Biden won, they're not going to be able to get away from Dobbs or the fact that they that they're the majority, whether they voted with it or not, you know, uh, basically shut down the government to, to shut down the investigations on Trump, which won't work. And that'll be, look stupid. So, you know, that they're, they're going to be in trouble and they're, they're not happy about that. They're not going to vote for this stuff. This to me sounds like, I know we're, we're also, by the way, getting the traditional, can the problem solvers caucus save things? The whole, that whole kind of, what if, what if the bipartisans come together and fix it? Like it just, it seems like there's less and less room for that to happen this time. Like that's just wishful thinking, right? Like these, these, it's, these 18 it's are probably screwed wishful, no matter what. It's probably wishful thinking. But look, you know, when you when your margins are this small, I mean, you know, are there five or six Republicans who who will vote with Democrats to, you know, to do to, to keep the government open? You know, those kind of, I, I, I don't know that it's probably long, long, long shot, but it's not out of the it's not like you need 25 votes or something to, to, to get something done. You know, and we did see that in the Senate last cycle. You know, where a lot of these, a lot of the bills that did, the bipartisan bills that uh, and things that happened were, you know, it was just an, barely enough votes to to in the Senate to get it done. I mean, things were being passed. You know, with the House majority. I'm talking before the, uh, we lost the House. We would pass things in the House, and then we would get enough, just a barely enough votes in the Senate sometimes on some of these uh, important bills. That were bipartisan and, and and you know got things done for people. Whether that now that's not ever really happened in the ha- with the House Republican Caucus. So uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, it, that's a but but yeah, I think it's probably wishful thinking. That trippy show will always be free with support from our advertisers, and we try to work with partners we believe in. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you keep what's stressing you bottled up, it can really start to drag you down. That's where therapy can help. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Trippy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Trippy. So a couple of really good substacks this week, and we can link to at least one of these, but I thought Rick made a really good point this week. He kind of just put some context. Actually, this was really in the context of the presidential, but I thought this was a really important point he made, which was thinking about how they're trying to do things in the House right now. Republican political operators are raised on two rules, just two. Rule one, just win, baby. Rule two, stay on message. If you have doubts about either of the rules, refer to the other rule. Like, it's kind of like in this context, there is absolutely no taking, there's no taking of prisoners whatsoever. It seems like they're careening off a cliff to the shutdown because the hundred and what, 180 MAGAs yeah. are not going to bend. No. The moderates can't. Yeah, but you got like, get, get down to, this is why, I mean, first of all, before we get into this, you know, just get into the 180 thing. Remember, 139 of these people voted not to certify Joe Biden as president of the United States, voted against that. So, you know, now that's grown to 180. Right, that's the baseline. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's grown to 180. Even those, that, that moderates, they're, they're just like trying to hide the crazy because they, they, they're in districts that Biden won. Even those folks are now, you know, straddling, trying to figure out how they keep the MAGA folks happy while while still being able to survive in a district that Biden won. But but yeah, this is a lesson, uh, you know, Democrats. And it was, uh, you know, he, he was making, Rick made those good points about how the GOP side thinks as he was trying to say, damn it, Democrats, you, you got to get to, you got to get, learn these two lessons. It's about winning, baby. Not, you know, it's not, you know, that we keep thinking as Democrats that we, we want to win on policy, you know, that we just have better, if we can just, if people understood our policies, uh, you know, we would, we would, we, we would win these, these things. And, you know, it's not, we need to make, you know, really, and it's something you and I talked about, it's a stark contrast. We have to make the contrast. It, it's about the cross pressures out there. It's about making that contrast. This is a contest between good and evil, freedom versus fascism, America's future versus Donald Trump and the darkness that follows him. It, you know, this race will be hideous, dirty, demeaning, demeaning, grotesque. And if you're unwilling to draw political blood and go as low and cut as deep as the other side, Trump wins because they follow those two rules. They don't give a damn. It's just about winning. It's and they will stay on that dark, ugly, divisive message that inflames his base. They will stick to that. And we've got to counter it. And there there are it's not about not talking about the accomplishments because things you know Biden we've accomplished a lot but it's about making that stark contrast of you know what this will be about i mean in a lot of ways uh and he says this i think he's you know the the enemy of of clear message is policy he, he said you know democrats have almost a religious belief that policy wins elections and the various constituency groups want their slice of that pie 
and they they want the election to be about their pet issue, uh, whether it's abortion, gun control, climate change, LGBTQ rights, or or other matters about which they're most passionate. The, I'm passionate about all of those, but it's not about that. It has to be like like I, I agree with with Rick on this. Um, first of all, you don't get any of that if you don't have a democracy. So so <laughs> right. you know. That's the whole point here, folks. Get off your damn pet issue. I mean, use it. Organize people uh, that you know care about those things too, but and care deeply about them. But but this contest is about good versus evil. It is about freedom versus fascism. It is about America's future versus Donald Trump and the darkness that follows. To quote Rick Wilson again. And look, you know, he's a brother uh, with Lincoln Project and Resolute Square, which this podcast is, is part of the of Resolute Square. You know, we'll, uh, I think we should link to that in, a, in the show notes because I think it's really important reading and important for people to process it. As much as you don't want to hear it or may not want to hear it, uh, it, it's important. And we need to learn. Democrats need to learn. Part of it is it's our diversity and the things that we, the different things that we, all why we're in this democratic coalition or the pro-democracy coalition maybe for different issues whether you, because of dobbs or or you know or what's going on with burning books and everything and banning them and everything else in uh, in this uh, uh, the, the crazy crazy uh, mega uh, caucus is throwing in, in with trump but in the end that's the threat that's the contrast it's that chaos the danger of it uh, versus, you know, again, on the age thing versus like real experience, real ability to get things done. And, and, and yeah, everything's not fixed yet, but they're not going to fix anything. They're going to make everything worse. Uh, and, and we need to make that case and, that, and, and stay on the message. Joe, probably the reason Trump is trying to shut down the government to maybe defund the prosecution is, I mean, he is not in a great place legally right now and i really well, I he's, worried about, his, he's worried his, about his attorneys he is well i i don't get this for a guy who's usually pretty you know he knows what to say to the press a lot i think he openly said about overturning the election it was my decision i was like why are he why why are you doing this and then with everybody starting to flip on him i mean you can tell why he wants a shutdown yeah, he does. And now, you know, he I mean, he definitely does because this isn't going well, you know, and and it's now been, you know reports that he's starting to ask his lawyers questions like, what kind of prison am I going to? What what do I have to wear? Do well, I have Secret Service protection. Uh, you know, what do I have to wear? What are those jumpsuits? I mean, he's literally. Uh, you know, it's literally multiple sources now saying he's muttering these things and asking these questions out loud, which is just, you know, even like the demand. I mean, I just think it's like so out in the open. Um, who would basically oh, only Donald Trump would go out and say, hey, I want you to shut the government down so that the investigations against me are shut down, that they won't have the money to operate and continue. Like, he says that out loud. And worse, it's not just that he said it out loud. Worse, 
of the majority in the Republican caucus who said, hell yeah, let's shut it down. I mean, in other words, like, you know, what happened to, to, to the law and order party that, okay, so you're, you're so into this guy that 91 counts, what the hell? Uh, I mean, he literally can't for these people shoot somebody in, you know, Times Square or Fifth Avenue <laughs> right. and get away with it. It's just uh, amazing. But but even he is now muttering about jumpsuits. And could and you know, can I can I get am I gonna be put in a club fed or or like one of those real tough places? You know, I mean he's he's literally um starting to worry about that stuff, and he should be, because that's where he's gonna go. So Joe. It seems like every week we talk about Iowa, we get more and more questions about New Hampshire. And you tweeted something this week that I really wanted you to elaborate on, which Trump is probably going to lose New Hampshire. Why are you looking at that? How can you possibly look at the data and come up with that? Uh, it's pretty simple, actually. One, I think he's likely to win Iowa, but somebody, and we've talked about this, you know, my theory about Iowa, uh, about somebody's going to merge in second place and We'll have a little mini rocket started going into New Hampshire. And then and you look at, but you look at this New Hampshire poll that just came out, CNN, uh, University of New Hampshire poll, and you look at it and everybody, everybody, all the talking heads in, in the punditry uh, and cable is all focused on DeSantis. He collapsed. He's dropped 13 points since the last one of these in New Hampshire. True. But also, by the way, if astute listeners to this podcast know that it was probably about 10 episodes ago that I said, stick a fork in him, he's done about DeSantis way, way back there. Uh, so one, that was no surprise to me at all. But then what is, uh, what, so the number I looked at, and again, you know, I always caution not to look at the head-to-heads, uh, you know, in, in these things, look underneath the hood, but when you look at the top line head to head, Trump is sitting at 39%. It's his lowest number in any state poll, in any of the early state polls. All the rest of them, you know, Iowa places like that, 57%. Uh, you know, there may be a 49%er or a 54%er, but they're all up there. He's at 39%. And then you look at the makeup of the rest of this thing, and it's, you know, Vivek is, uh, uh, Ramaswamy is at 13%. Nikki Haley's at 12. Chris Christie's at 11. DeSantis is at 10. You got Scott at six and Pence at two. And you got to ask yourself, that's 61%. And it said this in the poll. The other thing is, Dad, you do go look under the hood. It says 61% of the, the people in this poll are open to a candidate other than Trump. And so when you look at that, it's really simple. He's stuck at 39 in New Hampshire. Somebody's going to um, emerge, I think, in Iowa, like I've been saying. Uh, I said it. I don't think it'll be DeSantis. I could be wrong about that. We'll, we'll see. But one of these people who's sitting there at 10, 12, 11 right now is likely in that 10-day or one-week period between Iowa and New Hampshire it's a very short period, but it's enough, is going to consolidate a whole lot of that 61% uh, that are actually, I don't think it's just open. 
there are obviously there's there's a pretty sizable group here. If you look at Vivek's 13, DeSantis is 10, that's 23. You got Haley, you, you know, at 12. So you're like at 35, Christie at 40, you know, it makes it 46. You add another eight points for, between uh, Scott and, and, uh, and Pence, and you're getting close to 60%. That same, close to that 61 that are open. I think it says, it's not that they're open. They're 61% or so actively looking for another candidate other than Trump. That's what they want. So I think Trump is going to get stuck here around 39, and that 59 to 60, 61 percent that's out there amongst all these other candidates is going to consolidate around whoever comes in second in Iowa. So I tweeted, everybody else is looking at DeSantis. What the poll told me is second place in Iowa is really going to matter, and that Trump's likely to lose New Hampshire. By the way, that does not mean that Trump won't be the nominee. Uh, don't go doing somersaults down the hallway yet uh, or in your living room. Don't hurt yourself. Now, that's not what that means. What it means is, and this gets to a question you asked very early in the episode, Alex, you know, have you ever seen division in a party like this? And I think at that moment, whatever division you're already seeing in these fights over the budget and, and uh, you, you know, uh, debt ceiling, the, whether the, to, to actually have a vote to impeach or not, all those things that you're seeing, the schism within the party against, you know, against the crazy, uh, but there's just not enough of them to fight off the crazy. But that division, I think, will go full bore the rest of the way after New Hampshire. And you'll see a big, I think they will f fight it out state after state, call each, you know, Trump railing it away at whoever it is. And that that fight will go all the way. Uh, and like I said, I've seen this before. I was part of one of these uh, a couple of times uh, uh, where there was this kind of divisive fight in the party, whether it was Kennedy Carter, whether it was Hart Mondale. Uh, I've witnessed it on the Republican side, too. But every party that's ever had one of those lost its, just got its butt kicked in, in, in November. Um, and so I think that, it, and by the way, when I was with Mondale, we, we we did fight the whole way. We were we did have somebody emerge, Gary Hart, and took the battle all the way into the convention. You know, past the last state, and we got beat in forty nine states in in November. And we were in a dead heat right now in September against against Reagan, uh, just as Trump is in a dead heat against Biden. So I, I actually think that that it doesn't mean that Trump won't be the nominee. It could mean that. But that no matter who survives it, if I'm right about how this could play out, it could be one of the best things that happens for democracy because the odds of anybody be, being able, to, either Trump or whoever the person who emerges is, being able to put the pieces together of that party is going to have a tough time, not just defeating Biden and the Democrats as much as right now that looks like a crazy talk to think that it won't be close. I, I think there's a potential that this could get to the kind of the kind of numbers that Simon and Rosenberg talks about, you know, that we if we could just get to 55 percent of the vote and really defeat this MAGA thing once and, you know, in a, in a, at that kind of level, that could be the death blow. I mean, it will still take a couple of cycles to for it to completely die. But, it, you know, if it's another really close one and they just barely lose it, you, you know, 
is January 6th going to happen? I mean, all those kinds of things that we know uh, he'll be out there screaming it was stolen, all that stuff. We ha- I think it could be a very big uh, or a much because of this division that you're talking about. We're just starting to see the cracks. Really, we are. But if that if that crack widens because of New ha- of a place like New Hampshire, and New Hampshire's the place that this happens, it really is, it, and it's it's one of the reasons you know New Hampshire's known for you know knocking down whoever comes out of Iowa, um, and so uh, I just think, and that that's another pattern that I'm very familiar with. I've been on both sides of that. I've been the guy you know who, who's Who's with with a campaign where where we surprised in Iowa and we're on and you know and, and moving like a freight train with 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 some boosters out of New Hampshire and other places. I've also been creamed by it, you know, or or like knocked down, you know, having been the state director in Iowa for Mondale, winning it by you know something like thirty points, and then getting you know getting our ass handed to us in New Hampshire uh, by Gary Hart. So it, it's a it, this is that when you, it's more just understanding the history of the, of of how these things work, and also these when you see these kind of numbers, what it means. You look at the head to head. You look at that under the hood number of sixty one percent open to other candidates, and you start you know piecing things together. I think this could end up being a much different race in November twenty twenty four. Than, than most of the punditry, punditry and, and talking heads, you know, and, and are, are talking about right now, or even think is even remotely possible. But I do think that too is exactly what's happened in almost every presidential race. I mean, like I said, Reagan and Mondale, it was Reagan 47, Mondale 46 right now in September, the year before the election. We got beat in 49 states. No one, you know, wasn't, no, that was not... Now everybody laughs. Oh, Mondale, he got creamed. Yeah, but today he was in a dead heat against Ronald Reagan when it was morning, when it would be morning in America in a few months. Um, Obama, Obama was behind to Romney right now uh, in 2011. And so I just think the pieces are falling in place where this could be another big sea change election if, if, the, the the fractures that we're starting to see in the Republican Party really break out into uh, you know an insurgent kind of campaign that that that's that starts pretty weakly in Iowa but but gets boosted in New Hampshire and then even if they go they go sixty thirty you know let's say Trump co- continues to um, fight sixty thirty. And win sixty thirty the rest of the way. By the way, that's how uh, Reagan and Bush ended up because uh, Bush surprised Reagan in Iowa and beat him. And then Reagan came back. New Hampshire went with Reagan, and they fought it out, and Reagan won it. But guess what? Because they had that long fight, the only way they could put it together was, or, or the best way for them to put it together, and they did, was to for for Bush to become Reagan's vice president. It'll be interesting. I just don't see. So yeah, Trump's going to like go, oh yeah, uh, you know, DeSantis or Chris Christie. (laughs) I I beat you 60-30 the whole way. And like, you know, the next thing I want to do is I want you to be on my team. I, you know, maybe could happen. 
But, and would Chris Christie take it, right? I mean, would the person who, you know, I, maybe, maybe they would. But my point is, no, I, I think, I just think there's a lot of things going on that make me really kind of, hey, everybody, caution here. I think some things could be happening. I'm just not going to keep, you know, muttering the same crap about, oh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, when I look at these numbers, it really made me change the way I'd been thinking about uh, not. I, I kind of always, as you know, because we've talked about Iowa and coming out of it and, you know, and somebody emerging. But I think the key ingredient to that has always been New Hampshire. And I've never seen somebody, a front runner, write this or even now, we, the, the front runners in those elections I just talked about, Mondale against Park, we were like at 58 right now in, in New Hampshire. So I've never seen a front runner this low in New Hampshire. And then, you know, the other side of this, and that the one caveat I'll put is I've said before too, it does have to be the right person. Like, I don't know if Vivek uh, Ramaswamy takes no, second. I, I know, I know that he's not, I know that he's not the right person. Right. That's what I mean. I put that that, down that's now. what I mean. And I don't think, you know, then I think, you know, New Hampshire's not going to go, okay, great. We're going to consolidate around him. But would they consolidate around Nikki Haley? Would they consolidate around Christie or Tim Scott? You know, I mean, those are three that I, I could see, you know, easily. Uh, I don't know about DeSantis or Pence. Uh, you know, maybe those are both non-starters. But and, and that could that's what I mean. Pence, because of the evangelical thing, might be able to squeeze somehow, somehow squeeze a second in Iowa. But I don't think he's the, the you know, kind of flavor that New Hampshire would go. OK, yeah, let's all consolidate around and maybe I'm wrong. But I, I do think Haley, Christie, Scott. Those three in particular stick out as uh, as possibilities if they could pull out a second. That's why I said in my tweet, second in Iowa is going to matter. It has to be the right person. If it's the wrong person, I'm wrong about New Hampshire. I'm wrong about Trump, you know, likely losing it. But if the right circumstances play out here, watch out. Uh, by the way, just don't tell Trump. <laughs> Let's make it a surprise. I, I know we're just about out of time, but I want to get to one question that that I we got this week that I think is really a, we can good, good one to end the show on, but, but it's also kind of gets to those fractures you're talking about, which is, and this is from Jean in Nevada. And it's, she, she asks, what's up with Trump flip-flopping on abortion? What is he trying to do? I worry that we're going to get dragged into negotiating about how many weeks for a ban is okay. And then we kind of lose all the momentum we get from the last couple of years. So Joe, what is going on with Trump on abortion and what do we need to do about it? Well, I, look, Trump, Trump realizes it's a loser, <laughs> yeah, but, but he, it's a loser. But he's the guy that appointed the three Supreme Court justices that, you know, that overturned Roe v. Wade. So in a lot of ways, he's starting he's trying to have it both ways. It, you know, he, he gets to say, oh, oh, you know, six week abortion ban, bad, terrible thing, a terrible mistake. He says about DeSantis's six week abortion ban, which, by the way, is not the only state that's doing that. Thank you, Donald Trump, for your judicial appointments and the overturning of, of Roe v. Wade. But you know he's still, again, the guy who's crowing. He still crows about he's the guy who finally got Roe v. Wade overturned. So he's trying to both keep the evangelical, you know, pro-life base, which, by the way, I don't think he's going to have any trouble keeping. He's trying to. Um, you know, keep them in play 
because he's the guy that overturned, you know, that made it possible to overturn it. While at the same time, trying to sound more moderate on it by coming out against DeSantis and the six-week ban stuff, I don't think that part's going to work. In the end, I think uh, women who care deeply about their own uh, reproductive health decisions, uh, it, it, you know, uh, and, and other voters who uh, care about those rights, I don't think are going to be um, interested at all in, you know, supporting Trump. <laughs> because I mean, if that's the issue they care about, they're not they're, they're not going to be there. I also think that you know the interesting part of that New Hampshire poll, I think, was that um, DeSantis did fall thirteen points, but he fell, and this probably points to why Trump is doing this. Uh, but DeSantis fell twenty six points among among moderate Republicans. And I think it's things like the six-week abortion ban. It's probably a lot of rep moderate Republican women, uh, younger Republicans, maybe college-educated, et cetera. I mean, different cohorts, groups in the demographic groups inside the Republican Party. He's, he, with all his woke, anti-woke stuff, the Disney stuff, the six-week abortion ban stuff, he's bleeding, not moderates, folks. He's bleeding moderate Republicans who vote in primaries. These are not, by the way, that's not what most of us think moderate. I mean, these are people that are probably pretty conservative, but there's a reason he's losing. I mean, they, they self-identify as moderate Republicans, but they're voting in a Republican primary. It's just, by the way, same thing, Democratic primaries, you know, mostly progressives, uh, people who would call themselves liberals, and the moderate Democrats who vote in primaries are different than what we would all call moderate centrists, whatever, uh, nonpartisans. Um, so these are moderate Republicans he's lost 26 points with. Well, that th those same points are points Trump is going to need. You know, he needs every vote he can get. He can't get to, he's only gotten to 46 in the last few times he's run for president. It's not likely he's going to get to 50, which is another story about third parties, which I won't go into this time. Uh, for people. But it, it, I think what's happening is, yeah, they they understand, they're seeing what's going on. They see DeSantis and it falling uh, uh, and losing uh, uh, literally 26 points among moderate Republicans. That's where he lost the, that's the bulk of that 13 point loss. And so Trump's trying, how do I hold on? How to, And he, look, the other thing about Trump, which is scary, is he's got much better people this time. These people are real. The people running his campaign are not the clown car, crazy um, it, imbeciles who ran the last one. These these are these are real pros. They know what they're doing. I'm telling you, they're pulling this stuff. They're looking at it, and they're trying to move him to you know to the middle on abortion. You know whether he'll ever come out for a 15 week or you, you know 20 week. I mean, who knows where? Or he'll just keep doing the straddle that he's doing. Yeah, he overturned Roe v. Wade, but six weeks is a, is a terrible thing, a terrible mistake. Um, they're, they're trying to keep those. They know they're not going to get independent, moderate women and, and Democratic moderate women to buy that. I think it's a play to try to keep the door open to some of these moderates that DeSantis is losing, not for the primary, but try to keep it open so that they don't defect to Biden and Democrats in the general election, which happened, by the way, in 2020, I think, uh, before Dobbs. I mean, we, they were already, you and I saw this in 
is deep as early as 2017 with some Republican women already starting to defect from the Republican Party to, to Doug Jones. So I think that's the group that he, they're trying to somehow straddle. But I don't think, you know, frankly, I'm not even sure some of the, those, those people, again, you got to remember they were with DeSantis uh, and he lost the 26 points. My guess is those are exactly the people that went to Christie, to Nikki Haley, maybe three or four points of them went to Scott, went, went to, to Scott. So there, I think it's, I think that group, it's the last, Trump is going to be the last place they go to. They may stay home. They may, they may, some of them may desert the party in the end if he's the nominee, but I think that's what they're trying to do. Uh, and, uh, but I, it's a smart thing to try to do, but I don't, I think most of the people who care about Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs decision, how it's going to impact uh, reproductive uh, freedom and decisions of women uh, are not going to buy that you're the guy that appointed three of those three judges that overturned it. I mean, he was pro-choice in 2011. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I just think this is an issue where he's going to try to play it. And I think it, 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 it can't be played. It, it, you know, that genie's out of the bottle. Uh, with with what these judges are not just the, these judges, but the other conservative judges and what they're ruling and doing around the country that he you know that he or MAGA judges I would point out uh, I wouldn't even call them conservative. Well, Joe, that is a great place to end for the day. Great, thanks, Alex. Thanks everyone for listening to that trippy show. A reminder that this podcast will always be free, and it's free because we now have advertisers to help us with production costs. We're glad to have them, and we hope you can enjoy some of their products, too. I do. The podcast is part of Resolute Square. Check out the latest at ResoluteSquare.com slash trippy. Please subscribe to that trippy show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to that trippy show at gmail.com or leave us a question in the review on iTunes. We'll see you next week.